This episode of The Yarn is sponsored by Heinemann and their professional book, Trusting Readers, Powerful Practices for Independent Reading. Colby talked with co-authors Jennifer Scoggin and Hannah Schneewind about the book. One of the things that we discovered in our research as we were doing this book was that there's really a crisis of trust in education. Mm. One of the things we discovered was that teachers did not feel that they were trusted to make instructional decisions based on what they knew about their students. So one of our hopes for this book is that teachers can feel as if, yeah, I'm the expert in the room. I know literacy, I know the curriculum, but most importantly, I know my students and I know how best to teach my student based on that person's strengths and next steps. Independent reading is such an essential piece of the literacy puzzle. Trusting readers will show you how to make independent reading flourish in your classroom. Visit Heinemann.com to learn more and order a copy. Welcome to The Yarn, a school library journal production. I'm Colby Sharp. A couple of weeks ago, I was driving my eighth grade daughter to school after a morning dentist appointment. My phone was connected to the stereo in our car, and we were listening to the live announcements of the American Library Association's Youth Media Awards. When Lisa's starfish was announced as the winner of a Prince Honor, my daughter looked at me and said, oh my goodness. I read that book on spring break. It was so good. My daughter was 100% right. Starfish is so good. A couple of days after the announcement, Lisa and I talked about her beautiful book for this episode. I hope you enjoy our conversation. recording this episode January 25th, the day after the Prince Committee announced that Starfish is a Prince Honor book. Congratulations. Thank you. Very, very, very exciting. So I'm going to ask the question that everybody wants to know. Tell us about how you found out what it was like getting that message. Oh my God. Uh, Well, I found out like a week ago. (laughs) and um so my editor nancy polson nancy polson books and um my agent liza flysick they were like hey lisa let's get together and do a zoom and we will um talk about you know maybe marketing how how we would market your paperback you know i'm like sure sure because I'm never going to turn down a Zoom with Nancy Polson ever. And I'm like, sure. And she said, um, 520. I'm like, okay. And I thought that was a really kind of odd time, but I was like, whatever. And um, so then I <laughs> I punched in the numbers because it wasn't like a link. And I punched in the numbers and I didn't see Nancy and I didn't see Liza. And I was like, uh oh, I've punched in the wrong numbers. And now I've joined somebody's like, <laughs> book club or something. And, you know, I hadn't I hadn't turned on the sound yet. So I'm like miming like, sorry, you know, and, and I'm trying to press the button to leave and it wouldn't let me. I had to like hit it three times. So I thought, Lisa, be more careful about the number you type in because my anxiety took over and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you know, they're going to report me to Zoom for like hacking in or something. You know, <laughs> how I, this is how I think anyway. 
And so I, I was very careful. I re-entered it. I was back in that same room and I'm like, what is it? And I'm like, they must have accidentally given me the wrong number. And um, so I'm starting to text uh, Liza and Nancy saying, hey, I think I have the wrong link. And, and, and I get this text and an email from, from Nancy. She's like, come back, come back. It's the right, it's the right Zoom meeting. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe people, other people from Penguin are joining us or something. And I get in there and then they're like, you know, this is, the, um, <clears throat> we're the members of the Michael <clears throat> Prince, L. Prince Award Committee and Starfish has, you know, been named an honor book. And I literally just like <laughs> smacked my face because I didn't know what to say. And I'm thinking, what, you know, and, and, um, and then they told me some things and uh, about why they chose it and, um, it was just really, I really like, and Nancy started laughing. She's like, we lied too well to you. <laughs> because She said, you should have seen the look on your face when you kept coming in thinking that you were in the wrong room. And I'm like, yeah, you should have felt like what I felt inside because I was so panicked. But so it was really amazing. And then um, <clears throat> after that, we, um, Liza and Nancy and I Zoomed for a while. And then after that, Liza and I talked for a while. And so it was like this whole night. And and then, you know, I couldn't tell anybody. <laughs> and it was just, it was an amazing thing, though. It was like so unexpected, you know, to be a prince with a middle grade. So, you know, yeah. That's a really long time to keep a secret. <laughs> it's almost a whole week. Yeah. That's yeah. a, li a life-changing yeah. Author changing secret. Yeah. Uh, what was the hardest part about keeping it a secret? You know, it's funny because people would, pe a few people would um, message me and they're like, have you heard anything from any of the committees yet? And I'm like, you know, I think all of that's secret. Cause I was trying to say no, I was trying not to say no, right. I didn't want to lie, but I couldn't tell. And so I'm like, I think most of those are pretty secret. You know what I mean? I was just kept doing that because I was like, I didn't know how to otherwise respond and I didn't want to lie. And and so it was really weird. It was really weird because, and then later someone was like, you mean you knew yesterday when we were talking? And I'm like, sorry. <laughs> you know, it was kind of that kind of thing. Yeah, and because I'm sure a lot of people were tagging you in different, especially you know, Newberry buzz, thinking that you, you know, thinking of this book for a Newberry. And here you are sitting on the fact that you have won a Prince Honor book. I can't, I can't even imagine what that must have been like. And I think that it, usually, I'm not exactly sure how the Prince works, but I know a lot of the other committees, they let their people know the night before or the morning of back when we were meeting in person and doing that sort of thing. So, yeah. wow. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and it was weird because there had been so much of a, a buzz, you know, like mentioning it in the, in the Newberry context. And, and I, but I never put any stock in any of that because, I mean, I was a journalist for years and, you know, I entered a lot of stuff into different contests and you never know what a judge is going to like. And you know what I mean? And sometimes they would pick like something that I was like, not the most proud of. I mean, I'm proud of, but mm -hmm. And so it was one of those things where with the buzz, I was just like, well, that's our, you know what the thought that people are having, you know, they're thinking of, of starfish while they think of a new berry is enough for me. That right there was like, made my day, made my year, made my life. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I put no, no stock into it because you, you never know. 
And um, that's not really, you know, what's important to me anyway. It's reaching the kids. I mean, it's yeah. always nice to have accolades and awards, but really it's all about the kids. So, um, but this helps me get into more kids' hands. So that's, you know, the benefit of it. Absolutely. So for people who maybe haven't read Starfish, <laughs> what would you tell them the book is about? Uh, the book is really about um, a girl who is bullied be- rel- relentlessly because of her weight and how she learns to deal with all the emotions that come with that and learns how to stand up with her, for herself without attacking others, like defend herself without attacking others and, and realize that she is okay just as she is. She doesn't need to change one little bit and that she has a right to be seen, to be heard, to be noticed and to take up space in the world. And I think it, and, and what's so wonderful is how children, cause you know, children are amazing, how they extrapolate that. I mean, I've heard from people who are tall and short and people who have like different preferences, like, you know, the color pink or, or whatever. And they're bullied for all of those different things. And then um, someone had uh, a medical issue and they were bullied for that. And, but they all get it. Mm -hmm. Right. Because if you've been made fun of for anything and bullied for anything, you understand Ellie's plight. So it reaches a broader audience than just fat children, but you know, 70% of Americans are fat. So there's a, a very um, big audience for that out there. Yeah, it's it's fun to interview you. Um, I don't know, like ten or eleven months after the book has come out, because you've been able to share it with readers. And, mm-hmm. and I'm just curious if what that has been like, and what has the response been, and have you been surprised by anything there? I have, I have. Um, you know, before before publication, pre-pub, I was like a little nervous. I was like, what are people going to think about this? Um, Am I going to get trolls who are like, oh, yeah, you're just, you know, it's horrible to be fat and you're pushing this very unhealthy lifestyle or whatever. And um, I haven't had any of that knock on wood. I mean, because I was I was really scared about that. But um, <clears throat> it's interesting because I've heard from people who are you know, obviously children and then teenagers, but people in their 20s, 30s, mm. 40s, 50s, 60s and even 70s oh, have read goodness. the book. And they they say, you know, this has healed a part of me I didn't realize was still broken. And, um, you know, this is spot on. This is the book I needed as a kid. I can't, you know, I, I'm, I feel like a kid all over again. And I, and, but I get it now. I mean, the things that people email me privately break my heart. They totally break my heart. And, and they all end saying, I wish I would have had this as a kid. You know, and then I'm like, you know, (laughs) it's like that one little like I'm I'm breathless for a second about it because I'm thinking, okay, yeah, I've hit I've hit something there. So did you ever find that books um, you needed a book like kids have needed starfish? Did I need a book like that when I was yeah. little? Or were there books that helped you through things or as an adult? Just curious. Yeah. Well, first of all, I needed starfish as a kid for mm-hmm. sure. Um, you know, there's not a lot of represent- representation on the shelves for kids who are fat. Um, and most of the most of the characters um, in children's literature are good, good majority of them that are fat, they're not portrayed well and or accurately. Um, so some of the books that helped me, I think um, I'm horrible about remembering titles from when I was little, but the one of the books that helped me the most when I was a little kid was a board book called, I think it's called A Walk to the Park or I Walk to the Park. 
it was almost like a little golden book, but we didn't get out much <laughs> when I was a kid because we were poor. You know, my, my dad died when I was 13 months old. So we were, oh gosh. Um, yeah. So I was a, you know, kid of a single mom um, and she didn't like to drive. She didn't learn to drive till she was almost 35. And then my dad died like a few months after that. And so she was not a confident driver. So she did, she did not feel safe, like driving on interstates. So we stayed home all the time, except we'd go to sometimes my grandparents' lake had a cottage about an uh, hour from here. And um, so, but this book was about this little boy walking through um, central uh, New York to get to Central Park and to sail his sailboat. And um, it just opened my eyes to like what living in New York City would be like. And I know that it sounds so silly, but it was like transformative for me because it allowed me to see a world outside of my own. And then I was like, oh, that's what a bodega is. You know what I mean? And because, you know, you see all the things that he sees and and it just made me start appreciating other people's way of life. And the, and it, it opened my eyes to all the different walks of life there are and all the people, you know what I mean? And it was, and that's what um, the book that really sparked my love for reading more books to find out even more. Mm. I know it's weird, but. <laughs> so I'm curious about writing, what it was like writing this book. Like where did the idea start? Did it, was it always going to be a novel in verse? Um, what was it, what, and what it was like working with Nancy and, and that team? Okay, I'm trying to remember the order in which, but <laughs> so um, my writing process is a little different. I, I get like these video clips in my head, like movie trailers, and I see these characters and they start coming to me and Ellie um, came to me and I really felt like the, in general, the books that um, I've, I'm working on, have worked on, are, are character, people who, characters who, um, they, they know I will understand their story in some way or another. And, and I felt like Ellie came to me because she knew had me having grown up as a fat person that I would understand her story and be able to tell it. And so um, as I was working on it, you know, I thought, okay, how do I give some real life of examples of things that I know happen to fat people? Well, that means delving into my own life because I always tell people everything that happened to Ellie happened to me in some way. Mm -hmm. um, and some of it is exactly how it happened. And um, so it was real. What was hard was, I mean, everything that ever happened to me was always, you know, obviously top of the head awareness, but, um, and, and then the emotions, you know, were there, but I, I actually went back to the school where I uh, went to school from K through 12. And I, on a Sunday afternoon when no one was around, I sat in the parking lot and I would look at the playground and think of all the different things they said and did to me. And I would look at the gym and think of, you know what I mean? And I just I brought all those emotions, like, right to the surface and it was painful it was it's probably you know a therapist would probably say it's not the smartest way to do it but i did i did and um and that allowed me to be authentic because that's what i really wanted to do i wanted to be give the as authentic authentic of an experience as possible um and so that was like what the writing process was it was just like that old quote of, you know, writing is easy. You just open a vein. <laughs> it was very much. Yeah. Like um, and then working with Nancy Polson is literally a dream come true. Any writer who could ever work with her um, would be a better writer. 
even if they just worked on one project with her, because she is the way she sees your book and how she'll say, you know, like she's, she would say like when oh, she was editing Starfish, you know, let's add, let's combine these two poems. I think these two poems are more uh, alike. Let's combine those. Oh, but wait a minute. I want this poem to be longer because I think you're hitting on something. I want you to dig a little bit deeper. You know what I mean? And she sees those things. And as soon as you do them, you're like, of course, why didn't I think of that? You know what I mean? But that's the genius of her is that, you know, every writer needs an editor because you get lost in it yourself sometimes. And um, and it's just amazing what she sees and and how it really helps your book shine in a way that you're like, oh, I could have never done that alone. Right. That's why we all have editors. Yeah. And she's an amazing person and so sweet. So sweet. I miss uh, being able to hang out with her at conferences. She's uh, she's super fun. Yeah, she, <laughs> she, she fun. I, that's the thing. I have not met her in person yet. She's the best. Because of COVID. And we're like, you know, we Zoom, we email, we text, we call. And I'm like, when, I think maybe this this summer, maybe when I'm near Washington or, I don't know, we'll see. Fingers <laughs> Fingers crossed. Well, talking about the different poems and combining them and expanding mm -hmm. on them, I would like to talk about one of them in particular, the one I guess that has probably, I guess, stayed in my head uh, in in the years since I've read the book. Um, it's called, and I'll just read a little bit of it. It's called The Gift. Mm, okay. um, just, it's just three stanzas. Every time I see a pudgy preschooler, I want to hand her my list the answers, like the answers sheet for a test to spare her the pain of learning the rules firsthand. But instead, I give each girl the gift of more days, weeks, and months of a normal life, whatever that is. Yeah, the list of fat girl rules. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so heartbreaking to me, the mm -hmm. thought of making that decision what is the gift to give the to give this girl the the rules or the time where you don't realize what how people are going to treat you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you know that that was always something that like was in my head, right? Because once I the fat girl rules are all those rules society has for you that you learn, and you learn the hard way. You learn because. Um, you wear, you know, horizontal stripes to school and then they make fun of how much fatter you look or whatever, which, you know, it really doesn't matter. Right. I mean, um, but then you learn not to wear horizontal stripes and, and they make fun of you when you, because your fat jiggles when you run. And so you learn not to run. And, and, um, and there's a billion of them. And so many of them are the same for everybody. And, and it's, it's interesting when uh, readers uh, will share some of their fat girl rules. I'm like, yep, I know that one. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they'll share mine. They're like, oh, yeah, I know that one, too. And um, it's, it's, it's a horrible way to live. And it is not really living. But yet at the same time, you know, you, so sometimes you just want to tell, okay, let, let me give you the inside scoop. Here are the fat girl rules. Do this, do this, don't do that. And yet at the same time, you, you really don't want them to have to live that way. You know, because it's it's very confining and it's very prison like. And um, so you're like, you know what? They'll learn them soon enough. Let them enjoy life without them before they have to live life with them. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, I just have uh, two more questions for you. Uh, I guess the first one is, what would you tell yourself if you, if like when you read that, you went back to your elementary school and you thought about all the things that happened, what would you tell that girl if you could talk I, to her now? Yeah, I would tell, I call her little Lisa. I would, I would tell little Lisa that there's absolutely nothing wrong with her, that there is something wrong with the people who are being mean to her and who are saying and doing mean things and <clears throat> that she needs to just feel free to be herself and to, um, starfish and i would explain to her what starfishing is all about and and that's why this book was so important when why i wanted it when i was a kid and why i wrote it once i um, became a children's book writer is because uh you need to hear that because you know when you're being bullied and hurt and if and uh, by others you think there's something wrong with you mm. but healthy happy people don't hurt other people and so if people are hurting you, then there's something wrong with them, you know? Yeah. It's a very hard lesson to learn even. And it's a, it's a hard concept to, put, to get, wrap your mind around, even as an adult. But I think if you can learn that as a child, it, it's a lifelong tool. Mm. What do you think? You, you said you called yourself, you call that girl Little Lisa? Mm-hmm. What would little Lisa think of grown-up Lisa? <laughs> um, she, I think she would say, okay, it was all worth it. What all I went through, <clears throat> um, you used, and, and it's all worth it now because we're reaching all the other littles. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Yarn. Thank you to Lisa Phipps for taking the time to chat with me. Thank you to Heinemann Publishing for sponsoring this episode. And as always, thank you to Philip Stead for creating our theme song. Additional music for this episode comes from the Free Music Archive. Thanks to my friend Travis Yonker for helping me produce this episode. Travis, I am so excited to talk to you about all the NBA trade deadline deals. I'm Colby Sharp. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.